This morning we are in John chapter 4. Again, if you have your Bibles, you'll turn there with me. We are going through the Gospel of John. If you're new here with us today, we've been going through that uh, right from the beginning of this year and taking it verse by verse and chapter by chapter. So we're in John chapter 4 today, the Gospel of John. And if you were with us last week, we covered the first part of John chapter 4. And Jesus was taking a detour. We saw him taking a detour. And uh, he goes out of his way to have a conversation with a woman that probably nobody in your town wanted to talk to. But Jesus goes on a detour. He's rerouted. Here's a lady who was probably abandoned. She'd married five times. And uh, in that day, women, they couldn't divorce. Uh, the men did the divorcing. And she's living with somebody now as Jesus comes upon the scene and we understand that Jesus has an appointment with her. So amazing. And then John chapter 4 today, verse 27, we're going to learn about what happens as a result of that conversation, that there really is a ripple effect of his, his divine appointment. And Jesus tells us some interesting things, and he compares it to the harvest. And uh, I grew up in the Midwest, and uh, and uh, the Midwest, as you probably realize, is uh, very big into farming. And I understand those farming around here, but the Midwest, that's what it's all about. And uh, I remember growing up and um, seeing the crops being planted in the field. We, we weren't a farming uh, family. We have friends that are and still are today. But it's so amazing in the fall time of the year when you see the crops grow and they change and the combines would be in the field. It really is amazing. I used to love watching it as the combines went through and took down the corn and processed that, and there was a crisp chill in the air, and you would see the reward of the hard work of the planting that took place in another season of that year. And if you look at verse 27, Jesus relates the harvest in this moment. He says, just then his disciples came back and they marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek, or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? And they went out of the town and were coming to him. And meanwhile, meanwhile the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? And Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say that there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest." Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, 
It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. Here's Jesus saying, don't stay four more months until the harvest. Jesus said, lift up your eyes and look, because the fields are white for harvest right now. Right now. They, they are already in a harvest time of the year, and Jesus is redirecting them and saying, it is now, and I want you to see this, and I want you to understand that. And when I look at this passage, and I looked at this, this last week, it excited me because we are in such an amazing season of grace here at Abundant Life Church where God is doing so many great things, Amen. And I just want us to recognize the season we are in because sometimes we can get so caught up and distracted that we miss the seasons that God has us in as a church. And so it's amazing because we're in a potential harvest season even as we speak, but as we look forward to this next month, we're going to enter into Easter, which is going to be a great harvest in Jesus' name. If you're with me, say amen. Amen. So this is a word for Abundant Life Church. This is a word for us here in Stephen City. This is a word for us in Clearbrook. And uh, I just want to encourage this Abundant Life that you would look up and see the harvest. You would look up. We have an amazing opportunity to do such great things for the Lord. And so many great things are happening that many will receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. It's time for harvest. Amen? It's time for harvest. And so today's message I want to speak on is reaching others for Jesus. It really is kind of part two off of part one last week in this. What will it take for us to reach this city for Jesus Christ? What will it take each and every one of us? What will we have to do to see a harvest as we walk through this passage? What I'd like to do is point out some very practical principles in the Word of God. How many of you know God's Word is very practical? It really is, and God wants us to understand His Word. And so He wants us to understand it. So if you're taking notes today, jot these things down, or maybe you're on our mobile app. You would fill in the blanks. There are seven principles that I'm going to share with you today. And that we can say, Lord, help me to be able to live out what your word is teaching this morning. So principle number one, we must pray for divine appointments. We must pray for divine appointments. We, we must pray that God will put us at the right time in the right place for the right people to have the right words in the presence of the Lord and that through that he will work through us and many will come to know him. When I talk about divine appointment, what I'm simply talking about is a meaning that this is a meeting, a meeting that is arranged by the Holy Spirit so that what is in you will get in them or what is in them will get in you. How many of you are with me? If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you want divine appointments because why? Because what is in you, you want others to have. That's a divine appointment. Somebody came across your pathway that had the Lord Jesus Christ, and what was in them is now inside of you. That was a divine appointment. That's what God is wanting us to have. And so we must pray for divine appointments in our life. And we understand this. We read this last week, verse 3. 
Jesus, he left Judea, and he departed again for Galilee and had to pass through Samaria. This is where he went, and it tells us that he simply took a detour. We talked about it. He goes to a place he didn't even plan on going, to a person he didn't think he would be talking to. Why? Because it was divinely appointed by God. See, when God is working, which he is, what we think is going to happen probably will not happen. How many of you ever realized that in your life? When we're praying and asking God to use us, what we think will happen probably won't happen, right? There's a divine appointment that is coming, and he's going to probably lead you on a different journey today, tomorrow, or in the future than what you thought you were going to go in. You're going to move in that direction just like Jesus did to Samaria to minister to this one woman. I will tell you, if we will listen to what God is saying, he will lead us on this every day of the week. He will lead us towards people. If we're sensitive to the Holy Spirit, he will give us divine appointments. Some of them, they involve our family members, that they are lost and that they need Jesus. They've seen the difference in your life, and they've seen the grace of God that is evident in your life, and they've seen that, and you're not the same devil you used to be. How many of you can say amen? You're not the same person you used to be because Jesus got a hold of your life, right, and changed you. And so, you know, I know it's not always easy to talk to others about Christ. We feel intimidated. But listen, I'm going to pray that there will be a boldness and there would be courage and that his power that is in us would come in the gentleness. How many of you know being bold doesn't mean being rude? Are you with me? Being bold can come by being gentle, but you're just willing to step out and you're willing to give words of life. You know, this last week I had the opportunity to go to the hospital in Martinsburg and, and uh, pray with an extended family member of a person that comes to our church here and having prayer with them. And as I was done, I, I walked out of the ICU, and I saw another woman that was walking out of another ICU room. And we were going towards the elevator, and before we pushed the button to go down to get ready to leave. And I said, um, why are you here in the ICU? She said, my mother just had a, a brain tumor removed, and the surgery went well. And in that moment, I said, does your mother know the Lord Jesus Christ? She says, yes, she has a personal relationship with the Lord, and she goes and tends a church in, in Leesburg. And I just took the moment there because I just felt in my life that at that moment I just was being sensitive. I said, do you know the Lord? And uh, she says, you know, uh, she, 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 in that moment she wrestled with it. She couldn't really give me an answer. And uh, I asked her her name. Her name was Sheila. And I just talked to her a little bit about the Lord and I uh, talked to her about, uh, you know, the church here at Abundant Life and saying we have this campus, Stephen City in Clearbrook. And I invited her to that. And uh, I just talked to her just that moment because I know she was in a hurry to get out and go down and, and to leave. But taking the moment to be sensitive to what God is saying is really, really important and it's really vital. That we don't realize many times the words that we are saying. I'm going to talk about that in just a moment that are already in alignment with what God is already doing in their life. That God has already showed up long before we ever spoke up. Here's what I want to say. If I were you, 
don't leave anything to chance when speaking to somebody about their eternal destination. That God will give the place and the words in that moment. Don't miss the moment that God has given to you. Be bold. You know, and invite them maybe at the very least to come to church. Invite them to come. Invite them to say, hey, I'll be there. You know, I invite you, but I'll be waiting for you at Abundant Life on Sunday. And, and I just want to encourage you. Maybe, maybe it is in that moment that you are to talk to them about the Lord. And you realize that and you sense that in that moment. And that you would just take that moment to talk to them about the Lord Jesus Christ. And that you would be bold in the midst of that. And so be bold. Be bold. See, we're not just responsible for the people that we know, that we only share Jesus with people that are close to us. It's a given to share the greatest news in the world with all the people we know and love and that we see, but that doesn't rule out the other people that are around us that do not know Jesus or the gospel. So don't ever rule that out because God will give us divine appointments. And so you never know what God is going to do. Just come and that your eyes would be open and you would be ready to do that. And God will give you a divine appointment. You know, even in Luke 9, I'm reminded and we're reminded that people didn't receive Jesus. Right? They told Jesus, you're not welcome here. He was just going about what God told him to do. And people's like, hey, you're not welcome here. We don't want you here. And you probably think in your life, how do you know what people are going to do when I ask them about Jesus? Here's what I got to say. You can't. You have no idea. But I think if we would just put ourselves in that position and just say, wow, man, I'm just going to go out and I'm going to do this for the Lord. Listen, you know what? If they're going to say, I, have, I want nothing to do with the Lord, remember, that's not on you. That's on the Lord, right? You're just there to present the opportunity. I just think it's that wonderful opportunity right there. You don't know what's going to happen, but, man, I think if we would just rise up to it and just put ourselves in that position, let's just do it for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ and see what God could potentially do in that moment and not be afraid to step out and say the words that are needed or pray for them or whatever God's telling you to do. You have no idea. See, the disciples were so offended by many things that took place even in the New Testament. They were like, hey, Jesus, do you want us to call down fire from heaven so we can crisp then? Right? Jesus is like, you don't even know what you're talking about. Jesus is like, I love them. God will send us to people we don't even know, we may not even be interested in, we may not even be interested in that location or that area of the city, so don't let that stop you because we don't know the condition of their heart. We have to realize that God will go before us. Jesus went to Sychar. We talked about that last week. At the base level, that word Sychar is a city of drunkenness, a city that rebelled against God, and it was from that city there was a harvest. God wants to go into the hardest places of our city and to the most hardened individuals and touch them so that there will be a harvest in their life and change them and people will stand back and say, my God, what just took place there? That's amazing. 
That's what Jesus does the best in divine appointments. He went to this hardened city, and that city was changed because of one woman. There's a second thing I want you to notice. Don't worry about what others will think. I understand. Here's what happens. We are so worried we're going to look stupid, don't we? When we talk to other people about Jesus, we think, oh, my goodness, we start to internalize it. We start to think, well, what if I speak up? It doesn't come out right. It's weird. We're self-conscious. We're afraid. They won't understand. And so we got to understand that God is doing something greater. Jesus didn't let that kind of fear dominate him. He didn't let that dominate him. Verse 27, just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people. Now I'm going to come back to that in a minute. He's talking to this woman. He already knows her past even before she knows that he knows. He knows she's been married five times and now living with a man that is not her husband. He already knows her reputation. He knows all of this. Why does he speak with her? Because Jesus cared more about her soul than what other people thought about him. You know what? We will never share the gospel if we are more worried about how we look and what others think about. Right? I'm praying for us today as a congregation of people that God will make us bold as lions and be, as we talked about the other week, be self-forgetful enough to reach one more person for Jesus Christ. Amen? Just be self-forgetful enough, not so consumed with ourselves and how we're going to look but that we will take the opportunity that God is affording us today to speak the love of Jesus into somebody's life. Third principle, look at this. We must make sharing the gospel a priority in our lives. No doubt about it. Verse 31, meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, remember, it's noon, and Jesus is no doubt hungry, but notice saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not even know about. So the disciples said to one another, one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? And Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. What Jesus is saying is this, my priority in life is that I want people to know God. That's it. His priority is the soul of people and the eternal destination of people, his priority was not his personal comfort level. And I don't know about you, but in, in America, we have prioritized our personal comfort level ab- above the will of God. Are you with me today, church? Amen. And we we got to reprioritize our life to get this right, that we want a real harvest, then that means we're going to have to do the will of God. We're going to have to do that first. Reaching people was his priority. Why do we know that? Luke 19, 10. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Not only did he want to save them, he sought them. He went after them. So I'm going to ask you today, who in your life doesn't know Jesus? That's the one you're supposed to go after and seek and to go after and pray for them. Not just say, God, I hope you save them 
God, I hope you do this work, but that you and I are called to do what Jesus did, and that is to seek and to save the lost, that you're literally going to go after them, and you're going to love them, and you're going to talk to them about Jesus, and you're going to make that an effort in your life, and you're going to make that a priority first and foremost, because as followers of Jesus, we are called to seek and to save the lost as well. That is a priority of every believer. So, so today, is if we understand Matthew 28, that we're to go, all authority, Jesus said, has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, you need to go. Therefore, you need to what, church? You need to go. You need to go, not expect people to come. You will go if it's a priority. So what is, what is your greatest priority this week? What is that? And so let that, let that drive inside of you what the true priority in God should be. What is that priority that you're going after? And would you realign your steps this week and make it a matter of your priority to pray for people and go after and seek divine appointments from God? And so let me tell you something, that we realize this, that Jesus has left us on this earth for a reason. Did you know that? He could have taken us to heaven already. Right? There's a priority why you and I are upon this earth. And so many times we miss this because so many things get in the way and distract us. But we are here for a priority as believers. How many of you know this? That everything else we do will be better in heaven. Really? Yes, that's true. We will sing better in heaven. Hallelujah. How many of you are thankful for that? Some of you are like, thank God because my neighbor was off today. I don't know. We will pray better in heaven, right? We will love one another in heaven like never before. We will serve God better in heaven. How many of you know you're still going to serve God in heaven? It's going to happen. The Bible says that. The one thing that we can't do in heaven that we can do here is share Christ with people who don't know him. Fourth principle I want you to see we must understand the difference between the spiritual world and the physical world. Sometimes what happens is we begin to process things on a physical plane that we have to understand in this passage. He points out something in farming that we have to understand. You plant in one season and you reap in another. Why? The the way you got saved may not be the way other people get saved. That's what we have to understand. The way that you and I came to the Lord doesn't mean everybody's going to come that same way to the Lord. And we have to realize there's a spiritual dynamic. So, so many times we run it through our filter of living in this world as humans and the physical world that we say, oh, well, people can only come to the Lord this way and they have to come through this filter and this funnel. That's not how it happens. People come to the Lord in many different ways through many different circumstances. That's why there's a body of Christ. I can't reach everybody for Jesus, and neither can you, but all of us together, we can reach a lost world for Jesus Christ. Isn't that true? And so we need to realize that that God's using our life in a very unique way today. You're, You're in a unique way. As I look out here, I see people that are different industries, business owners in the medical field, 
people that are driving trucks, people that are out doing the work of the Lord, people that are, you know, just uh, in clerical and administrative assistance and in schools and whatever. God's got you there. You're, you're uniquely designed to reach your area because why? Because God's placed you there. I'm not there, but you are. God's created you, you uniquely to do it. To, to reach your area, your sector of, of uh, business or in your campus. And we got to realize that God operates on a different plane than the natural realm. He operates in a supernatural world, in a spiritual world. So we got to understand there are progressions to how people come to the Lord. How many of you know that we work in rhythms? We're to work in rhythms in our life. All of Scripture is a rhythm. You and I are called to work in our lives is a rhythm for what God is doing. So you may come across somebody that doesn't know the Lord. It doesn't mean maybe in that moment, unless the Lord specifically shows you to, that you're to ask them, hey, do you want to be a follower of Christ? And maybe in that moment in the series of progressions, they're not there yet, but you're going to at that moment say, hey, could we meet up for a cup of coffee? And you just start talking to them about something that may not be as close to Jesus at that point as you'd like it to be, but you're going to build it to that point because there's a progression and a rhythm that takes place that you're finally going to get to the place where you're going to have the opportunity to say, hey, would you like to follow Jesus? But also, you have to understand, we know people need time to make a decision. There's a difference between the physical world and the spiritual world. God knows what needs to happen at that moment, and God will give you the words to say at that particular time. Fifth principle, we must see with spiritual eyes. That's so true. Lord, help me to see things like you see them. God is working on lives even when we cannot see it. And here's what happens. That they went out of the town, and the Samaritans are coming out. The Samaritan people in that day wore white. They wore white. It's amazing. You ever seen wheat that has progressed in color? The fields just before the harvest of wheat look white. He's watching all of these Samaritans, these people coming out of the city of Sychar dressed in white because that's the color the Samaritans wore. In verse 35, he says, do not say, therefore, there are yet four months, then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you, he says, look up your, lift up your eyes. Lift them up and see that the fields are white right now for harvest. I mean, this makes total sense to them. We think, well, I'm not sure what that means. But he's, he's relating it to the farming world. That if you will just look up, you will see the fields are white right now for harvest. They are open to us. And Jesus is saying, if you will look and you would be aware of the needs of people, the opportunity of the losses of people. And you know what? One of the ways the enemy has blinded many believers is this idea that there is so many churches and that everybody has had the chance to hear the gospel and that everybody is a Christian. That's not true. We, we live in a Christian country. That doesn't mean that every person's a born-again Christian, Right? 60% of this area doesn't even know Christ. And we get this idea that somehow everyone is a Christian. That's not true. 
That's not true. There are tens of thousands of people who don't know Jesus right now, and they need to hear the gospel. Lift up your eyes, Jesus says, and look, the fields are white unto harvest. It's been proven that 80% of the people that if they are invited, if we will just invite them, they will come to church. You know what that means? You and I have got a four in five chance when we invite somebody that doesn't go to church that they will come to church. That's a pretty good odd ratio right there, isn't it? The odds are absolutely amazing. It's so incredible. Four in five chance that they're going to come and say yes. There is no greater time than the present for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ to shine in the darkness, I'd say what? It's time for the church to get lit. Some of you grew up in the area where get litty was, you know, you lit one up. I'm talking about getting lit for Jesus. All right? Okay. We need to get lit. Another lesson we learned, number six, we can know God has been working in the lives of people even before we talk to them. I just alluded to that. Many times we're so fearful. But, but let me tell you something. Long before somebody comes to Jesus, even on a Sunday morning, and we ask them, would you raise their hand or wherever it may be, do you know that many people have already been praying for them already? Long before that moment. Long before that ever got, There's a progression. There's a progression that's already happened. God goes before us, prepares the way. And so listen, I love how John Wesley put this. Before you hold the meeting... God is already prevening. Before any meeting, before you ask them across the table, or you talk to somebody on the phone and say, would you like to follow Christ? Long before the meeting, God was already prevening in their life. God was already stirring something in them. Somebody was already praying for them, and he is going to bring grace into their life. Verse 37 for here the saying holds true, one sows, another reaped. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. This is saying there are other opportunities that the Spirit of God, if no one else has gone before, that he is speaking to them. He's already begun to plant the seeds to get a person ready. He's already gone before you. The fields are ripe, and they are white unto harvest now. Finally, number seven, we'll experience joy when others come to Christ. Wow, that is so true. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may rejoice together. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed two more days. And many more believed because of his word. Many believed when they heard the woman, and now many more believed because you know that when somebody tells somebody about Christ and they give their hearts to Jesus, it's good news, and you just can't keep good news to yourself. One person got saved, and a family got saved. And then it has this ripple effect that's so on and so forth that keeps going and going and going. And they said to the woman, it's no longer because of what you said that we believe. We have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. Their lives were changed in the least likely place on the earth amongst the least likely people because of the least likely woman convert in the town. What am I saying, and what is God saying? 
don't ever write somebody off. Don't ever think it can't happen. What do you believe God can do? Who do you believe that he can reach? Like us come and know today that all things are possible. We're saying there's nothing that our God cannot do. He can do anything. He can change lives. He is doing it now. And what he's saying to us today is look up because the fields are ripe unto harvest. Don't say four more months. God says, don't you just look on this natural plane. Well, I just kind of look out and I kind of see a world. Jesus said, no, no. You need to operate on a spiritual plane. He said, right now the fields are ripe unto harvest and I want you to go and I want you to speak to that person that needs the Lord Jesus Christ and that you would seek after and find them. Pray for them today. Go to them. Let them know, hey, maybe going through some difficulties. Can we sit down and talk? Can we pray that the door would just begin to be open and that you would pray that you could move somebody progressively closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you do that? Let's pray.